that sounds at all familiar, you're probably a baseball fan. That's a slightly altered way that Vince Scully started out all of his uh, baseball broadcasts. And, uh, worked for Vince Scully for 70 years, so I thought I'd try it this morning. Uh, but I do wish you a very pleasant good morning. Uh, we've been doing a lot around here uh, this, this week at Powell Presbyterian, and I can't wait for everyone to come back and all worship together and you can see some of the things that are going on uh, but uh, we continue to meet like this and uh, I'm glad uh, that you will take the time and look uh, at, at the word with me this morning and before we open our Bibles uh, let's take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father uh, we do thank you that we do have these means of meeting even though we can't worship together, I do pray that, that uh, people will uh, take the time uh, to worship you in, in their homes uh, with whomever uh, they can be with right now. Uh, it is a great honor and privilege to be able to come to you uh, wherever we may be whomever we are with, and so uh, just help us in this time to, to keep our worship alive and to keep coming to you, and we thank you again for this means of, of being able to look into the Word together, and I ask that as we do that today that you will touch our hearts and that you will, uh, you will just become... Uh, bigger and and that we will walk uh, more boldly and more firm in your word. Heavenly Father, we do love you. Uh, we ask uh, again that you will continue to bless those medical workers and, and all of those uh, on the front lines of, of this virus, that you will keep them safe uh, encourage them and give them a sense of your peace and your comfort for all of those who are ill. Uh, we pray for healing. Uh, we pray that you will lift uh, them up physically and, and uh, more importantly that you will touch their hearts, that they will feel your presence in all of this. We pray for this nation uh, that you will get us through this. Thank you uh, for your love, for your care, for your concern for our lives and your concern for our souls, that, that Christ would go and die on the cross for us. Thank you. We ask that you will speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you do have a Bible with you wherever you are right now, you will open to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, and this morning uh, we'll look at just uh, the first couple of verses, verses 1 and 2. Uh, for those of you who know Powell Presbyterian Church and, and know uh, the way that I usually do things after Easter or Resurrection Sunday, is I like to keep the resurrection in focus for a while, right, uh, clearly in focus, and Hebrews helps us do that. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 2, uh, 
In verse 3, the writer of Hebrews warns us of neglecting such a great salvation that God declares to us, the salvation that we have in Christ and what he has done for us. And, and the writer of Hebrews uh, makes clear that Jesus is far superior to everything else. And so uh, we will start looking at Hebrews, and we're going to spend some time in here going through the book. Uh, this morning, uh, when I start a book, I like to talk about it in general. So we'll talk a little bit about Hebrews in general, and then uh, this idea that we find in the first couple of verses of God speaking to us, and that he has been speaking through history. And so uh, let me read in Hebrews chapter 1. I'll just read verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The word Lord. I know uh, one of the things that has been popular through the years uh, is, is this idea of the murder mystery dinner type thing, or the, uh, the murder mystery party. Uh, it's where people show up, and it's, it's popular on, on trains, I know, and, and certain resorts, but people, you, you dress up for the part, and and you play a role in, in this uh, pretend murder that happened, and you have to try to figure things out. You know your role and what you've done, but you have to figure out what other people have, have done, and, and many people have done this, and, and sometimes it's great and intriguing, and, and they're always kind of on the edge of their seat trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, other times, uh, it sounds like they'd have been better off to stay home and play Clue, but, uh, but it's, it's this mystery idea. And if you like mysteries, well, Hebrews gives us a couple of mysteries, even before we get to much of the text here. Uh, one of our first mysteries is who wrote it. Uh, most of uh, Paul, for example, or Peter, or the others, they, they will tell you right up front who wrote the book. They'll start with their name. Uh, we, we don't get that here. So, who wrote it? To whom is he writing? And where are they? Now, the why he's writing will become pretty obvious as we go through the book. But among theologians, the mysteries remain as to who wrote it and uh, to whom is uh, this person writing. R.C. Sproul uh, writes the epistle, the epistle is another word for letter, the epistle does not tell us his name, leaving a tantalizing mystery. Uh, so we'll just take a, a look at a little bit of uh, who he might be. Uh, he obviously knows Greek very well, if, if you were to uh, read it in the Greek, and not only that, but uh, the Hellenistic Greek. Uh, very adept at, at writing. Um, great knowledge of the Old Testament. You can even see in this first chapter, he quotes the Old Testament extensively. 
Uh, he knows the Old Testament very well, and, and he's very sensitive to the, this idea of the history of redemption uh, in Christ. It, it culminates in Christ. Everything that the prophets were saying uh, leads to Christ. And, and then some of the other things uh, we know about him, uh, as we read through the book, he knows uh, who he's writing to personally. He knows their situation. He's concerned for them. There's a little danger uh, with where they are at. Uh, he's come to faith uh, through the apostles' preaching. Uh, we see that in chapter 2. He knows Timothy. Uh, he's been acquainted with him and, and knows him personally. Uh, that's in chapter 13 where we find that. And so who is he? Well, there's some questions or some uh, guesses, I should say. Uh, you can go back as far as as Clement of Alexandria. We're going to get a little history here. Clement of Alexandria, who was born in the year 150, uh, one of the early church guys, and, and Origen, another one who was uh, born in, in 185, uh, they both thought it was perhaps the Apostle Paul. And traditionally, Paul has kind of been credited with writing Hebrews, but even those who say it, is probably Paul, uh, like Origen, who said, who wrote the epistle? In truth, God knows. Uh, he kind of left a little wiggle room, like, well, I think it's Paul, but I don't know. Um, William Hendrickson, the late William Hendrickson, uh, he, uh, and I respect much of his writing, he speculates that both Paul and Peter had perhaps already been martyred by the time that Hebrews has been written. And he's got uh, some compelling arguments for that. In fact, he will list ten reasons why it's probably not Paul, uh, starting with the fact that he doesn't identify himself. And Paul does that in all the other letters. The, the language is a little different. And he's got some other reasons as well. Uh, who, who else are the suspects, if you want to keep on that mystery idea? Uh, some of the other ideas, uh, uh, Tertullian, back in, he was born in 155, he thought it might be uh, Barnabas. Uh, we know Barnabas had hung out with Paul for a while, we can read about that in Acts. Uh, Clement of Rome, who was born in the year 95, a guy born in the first century, even back then they were trying to figure out who it was. Uh, Clement thought it was perhaps Luke. Luke spent a lot of time with Paul. And uh, the speculation is he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts in a narrative form as he was describing activity going on, and that this is more theological, so he wrote in the Hellenistic Greek. Interesting argument, and perhaps so. Uh, there's Apollos, and there's others uh, that get mentioned as who may have written this. Well, the, the final uh, tally is this, the human authorism. And it really wouldn't change our understanding of the book that much if we did know. But the important thing is uh, what the author himself says in, in chapter 3, verse 7. The Holy Spirit says, and that's what we need to know, it is the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is giving us uh, this letter. We don't know the human author, um, but it's very consistent with things Paul preached, and Peter, and Luke, and John, uh, you can see elements of all of their uh, writings uh, in this book of Hebrews. So, uh, so we don't really know who wrote
too. And where are they? And we have a fair amount of information about the situation. So we can make a pretty good guess as to who this book is written to, and it helps us identify with them a little bit. Uh, here's some things we know, or we will find out about them. They had faced previous persecution. You see that in chapter 10. And they are also facing some present persecution. I will come across that in chapter 13. Uh, they're in danger of falling away from the faith, perhaps fearing death. Uh, and we see that in chapter 3. Uh, the, the faith hasn't yet led to them being killed. We find this in chapter 12, but we'll come across all this as we go. Um, there may have been a, a undergoing some transition in church leadership. And this is the reason why uh, some will say that Peter and Paul have probably recently been martyred, because there does seem to be this... Uh, this sense of things are changing and the leadership is changing and so they're concerned about their security, they're uh, concerned about the permanence, if you will, of the church. Is this really going to last? What are we going to do next? Uh, we'll come across that in, in chapter 6 and uh, 11 and 13, actually, those issues come up. And, and we know this from chapter 13, verse 24, they get greetings from those who come from Italy. So that helps us uh, with give a, a, a real solid idea of who they may be. And it is a guess, but a good guess, I think, that these are Jewish Christians who are living in Rome. Uh, just a little bit more history here. The Jewish people had been kicked out of Rome. Uh, we can read about that in Acts chapter 18. That happened in the year 49. Uh, now, some did stay, and others came back shortly after. Uh, there was a church established there. By the end of Acts, Paul is in Rome, and he's speaking with the, the brothers there. And so there are some believers uh, in Rome. Uh, persecutions had started under uh, the Roman Emperor Nero in the year 64. And so that could be the, the, uh, the backdrop to, to writing this, is, as he's writing a little bit about persecutions that have been happening, maybe coming. So uh, maybe written uh, somewhere 64-ish, um, but before 70, because in the year 70, that's when the Jewish temple got destroyed, or I should say the uh, temple in Jerusalem got destroyed, and, and it appears that temple is still standing. The writer will write about that. So, uh, so we can make a, a pretty solid guess, I think, these Jewish Christians in Rome. But what's important is, is their situation and, and their response to where they are right now. They're, they're suffering. They're suffering persecution and they are tempted to turn uh, to something else. Maybe turn back to the old Judaism, uh, the old covenantal system. Uh, maybe just turn to outright unbelief. Uh, maybe... Uh, start worshiping the Romans god, the Roman gods. The Roman gods are are uh, big uh, as, as Rome has, has taken over. Um, or maybe a hybrid of all this. Pull a little bit from Christianity, a little bit from Judaism, a little bit from Rome, and kind of put it all together and, and just keep yourself safe, uh, if, if you will. Um, and even though uh, you may not come from a Jewish background, um, we can identify with them. 
was that temptation to, to leave Christ or make less of him or to make him different somehow and, and, and basically to, to leave him uh, for something else uh, and worse maybe even uh, to leave him uh, and go back to where we were before we met him before uh, we were enlightened by his, his word. And, and so the writer of Hebrews, as he writes this, he writes of the danger and foolishness of giving up on Christ and, and, and going to something else or, or making less of Christ because he will clearly show us that what we have in Jesus is far more superior and far more reliable than anything else we'll find. Anything else there could possibly be. Uh, and, and even if things aren't going swimmingly, if things aren't perfect right now, um, and it looks like things might even get a little worse uh, to not uh, give up on this faith, on this Christian faith. Uh, we often hear of uh, baseball players. I started uh, earlier with. Vin Scully uh, intro, uh, baseball players, when they're in a slump, uh, especially a hitter, and they're just, they're, they've tried everything and they almost just want to give up. It, it's amazing how many times they will get out of their slump by just going back to the basics. And they'll, they'll work uh, quite literally often from the ground up. Uh, how, how are my feet? Is my feet, how their position is going to affect how my hips are, and then that's going to affect how my arms come through, and, and so they will start with the very basic, how am I standing? And, and then they will build just basic uh, basic uh, attributes to that and, and get out of your slump because of just going back to the very simple things. And, and the writer of Hebrews, he wants us to get grounded grounded uh, in the faith. And, and he starts uh, with God's word and uh, with God speaking to us and he goes way back. In fact, he, he says, verse 1, long ago, long ago, God spoke to the prophets, long ago and in many ways. And this idea of, of God speaking is going to be a very important theme uh, throughout Hebrews, uh, actually. And he'll, he'll basically uh, separate it into two parts. And, and he does that uh, right in these first two verses. There is the time period before Jesus came, when he spoke through the prophets, and then there is the time period uh, that started when Jesus came. And, and, and he speaks to us through the Son. The, the prophets... Uh, as they wrote, uh, Peter tells us in, in 2 Peter chapter 1 that no prophecy was ever produced from the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The prophets were writing God's words as, as God uh, spoke through them, and, and he spoke in many ways. Uh, sometimes he would speak directly. Uh, sometimes there were visions and dreams, uh, angels uh, would proclaim things. Uh, 
the prophets would speak to the people. And, and uh, once there was even a donkey. Uh, when, when the prophet couldn't figure out what was going on, the donkey had to say, what are you doing? Uh, and and uh, God spoke in many ways. Uh, and, and through the years, from the very beginning, uh, speaking to his, his people. And as uh, Matthew Henry said, as, as the prophets uh, went on, they were giving clearer discoveries of Christ. Uh, as they would go along, the, the prophets, they would speak of, of what was happening at the time. That's how you knew they were a true prophet. If, if the prophecies came true, People, the, the Jewish people knew it was a true prophet. So they would speak to what was going on, but it also had this further fulfillment. And the prophets understood this that there was this further fulfillment that they didn't really even quite know about. And they would write about it, these, these latter times or these last times when things would be a little more clear. In fact, the prophet Jeremiah, in uh, chapter 23, verse 20, he he writes, uh, the anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and, and accomplished the attempts of his. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. And, and Hosea and Micah and Isaiah and Daniel and, and all, all these prophets, uh, they understood that there's something coming in, and they would call it the last days, the, the, the later days. God's going to reveal uh, something, and it's going to become more clear. And the people understood that. Jesus, uh, in, in John chapter 4, was talking with the woman at, at the well. It was a Samaritan woman, and, and they were talking, and Jesus was asking her some questions. And then she said, uh, and I quote her, she said, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us all things. That's Basically what the prophets had been saying, when, when he comes, he'll tell you all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the one who is to come. I'm the one who will make things clear. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 10, verses 23 and 24, it says, turning to the disciples, Jesus said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Prophets were looking forward to that. And Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm right here. I am the one that the prophets were all looking forward to. That will make things more clear. When Peter writes of this uh, salvation of our souls in 1 Peter chapter 1, he writes, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was uh, to be yours searched and inquired carefully. Prophets uh, were, were all in on waiting for God to come and, and make things clear. Who, who is this Messiah that's going to come and, and answer the questions. Make this clear. Well, uh, he comes. In verse 2, in these last days, he's spoken uh, to us by his son. And we get a, a little bit of, of what John writes about Jesus in the second verse of, of Hebrews here. In John chapter 1, his great prologue uh, to his gospel, 
Uh, he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, all things were made through him. Uh, a little bit later, and, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory full of grace and, and truth. And, and this is that second time period. These are the, the last days, as uh, the writer of Hebrews would say in verse 2. With, with the Son, with Christ, we now have all that we need to know for salvation. The things uh, written concerning what Jesus said and what he revealed and what he did, Jesus made it quite clear to his disciples what is necessary for salvation. He would tell his disciples, no one comes to the Father except through me. He would say, the Son of Man must be lifted up for the forgiveness of sin, and kind of uh, showing how he would die, being lifted up on the cross. He was so very, very clear with his disciples, here is what you need for salvation, faith in the name of Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews, who remember is writing to this Jewish audience, and this Jewish audience, they know that the Old Testament prophets were true and reliable. They had great faith in, in what the, the prophets had written and, and what they had written of this expectation of, of Messiah. And then here comes Jesus, God himself, and, and he speaks. And we're going to spend a lot of time uh, talking about Jesus and who he is uh, in, in the coming weeks because the, the, the writer of Hebrews spends a lot of time showing just how great this Jesus is. And we can't make less of him than who he is and this great salvation that he because with him we have the eternal, the eternal, most reliable, ultimate word. And, and the writer of Hebrews uh, starts with that in his uh, warning and his plea uh, to these people who are tempted to turn to something else. He will show us you can't do because we have Christ. We have God, the Son, speaking to us. And so, as, as we close this out uh, today, there's just a couple of points that, that I want us to, to take from these first two chapters. One is a negative, and, and one is positive. First, uh, the negative point, and, and I'll start uh, with a quote from R.C. Sproul, who writes this, since Jesus is God's final and best word to us, we should not expect any new revelation from the Lord until we see him face to face. And the negative in that is there is this warning against all of those false religions who claim to have prophets that have come since Christ Prophets that have a different salvation. Here's what you need salvation. You need this. 
or maybe even some have done, you need Christ, and then also this. And, and this is our warning against all of those. Uh, it's, it's as though uh, they're, they're trying to almost turn uh, this into a, an episode of, of Columbo. Uh, if, if you're familiar with the old Columbo TV shows, how, how Columbo, as he leaves, he, he almost turns around and says, oh, oh, one more thing, one more thing. It's, it's almost as though they're trying to say, God came and then spoke, and then later on, oh, I forgot, one more thing. So he had to send another prophet. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, that's foolishness. God didn't forget anything. He gave us all we need to know in Christ. And so there's our, our, our warning. We can, we can go with none of those, none of those, as these people are tempted to do and as we can be tempted to do. Which brings us to the positive then. And for the positive, I'll, I'll start with John Kelvin, who wrote this. It is for us to hunger for, seek, look to, learn, and study Christ alone until that great day draws when the Lord will fully manifest the glory of his kingdom. See, the positive in that is that God has spoken and spoken very clearly about what we need for salvation. all in Christ. This is how he speaks to us. Through Christ and what he has done. I love how Matthew Henry uh, summarizes uh, pretty much these first uh, two verses and I love how he ends uh, his summary. And so let me just quote Matthew Henry here. He writes, the times of the gospel are the last times. The gospel revelation is the last we are to expect from God. There was first the natural revelation, then the patriarchal by dreams, visions, and voices, then the mosaic in the law given forth and written down, then the prophetic in explaining the law and giving clearer discoveries of Christ. But now we must expect no new revelation but only more of the Spirit of Christ to help us better to understand what is already. But now, we must expect no new revelation, but only more of the Spirit of Christ to help us better to understand what is already revealed. And that is my prayer for us as we forward to the book of Hebrews, that we have more of the Spirit of Christ to help us understand what has been revealed, that he will open our eyes so that we can see who he is and this great salvation that he brings so that there is no temptation, there will be no temptation to, to turn back or to turn to something else, or to make less of who Christ is, but, but to see him more clearly. The prayers that will be uh, strengthened in our faith and encouraged, that, that we will look more intently and eagerly at God's word, at this Christ who the prophets longed to see, and this, this God 
unshaken. May Christ be our foundation. And may we abide in him. All of our mercies come through Christ, our Savior who died for us. How sweet to be near him and filled with his love. May his spirit lead us deeper into his truth. May his word fill our hearts. We need no new revelation. We just need more of Christ. Grant that we may see him more clearly. Embrace him more securely. Seek him more earnestly. That he may be our greatest desire. We do pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I do thank you for joining me today. I look forward to our journey through Hebrews. And I want to leave you with these words uh, that Peter writes right at the end of 2 Peter. Uh, it's in chapter 3. He writes, you therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of